light in our sky grows brighter and longer, uh, we anticipate the increase of your grace and glory in our hearts. And Lord, we are full of anticipation and joy right here at the outset. We pray that um, the brightness of this season would renew our hearts and fill us with light. Amen. In a few minutes, we're going to have the ashes put on our foreheads and we'll be reminded that from dust we come and to dust we will return. It's a season of um, Lent as we learned or were reminded again at the beginning of the service is a time where we're renewing the truth of our baptismal identities. Um, we're renewing the fact that we live from and in the light of Christ, having been baptized into him. They used to call the baptized Christians enlightened ones because they, they literally had had the darkness of their own hearts um, dispersed by the light of the Lord's grace and forgiveness. And it was quite a new day as a result. It was the individual's participation in the death and resurrection of Jesus and that blinding light that doesn't ever set, which we will celebrate on Easter Vigil that night before Easter Day in just 40 days from now. Well, that experience of being in the light is sometimes um, something you carry for a while. It's like the honeymoon period, right? Um, but then there's often the experience that it fades or it grows dim. Um, I think what seems to happen is it's like we're, we in the way that we carry out our lives start to turn the dimmer switch down ourselves. We start to think that our lives consist in maybe, um, I don't know, eating, maybe in being recognized for our accomplishments. Um, our achievements, our ability to manage and control our own lives. And we start to get confused. And we fall into the same trap that Daniel is lamenting as he's writing um, from exile um, the fact that Israel had forgotten. Had forgotten this incredible deliverance and had forgotten from whom everything that they had received had actually come from. And they were betraying their God, the one and only God. And, um, and so we do this, and Lent is a time where we get to return. And the Lord's always calling us to return. It starts right in the garden, right after the fall. You know, where are you, Adam? And then throughout scriptures, return to me. You return to me, my children. Come to me. I am merciful and humble and meek, and I want to remove the heavy weight of your sin I want to brighten your eyes and your life with my presence, my favor, my approval. Like a lot of times we um, feel especially dark when we feel condemned and we have a lot of feelings of self-condemnation and self-criticism and uh, that's pretty, pretty rampant, isn't it? I think a lot of us are our own worst enemies and we're often condemning ourselves and the Lord wants to lift that and he wants to return us to our true identity in him. And so when we have the ashes put on us, it's the beginning of this reminder that everything that we have, everything 
that we need is resourced in God alone. Just as we really need the sun, for instance, to have photosynthesis, and so much life comes from that. We need the resurrection light, and we need to come back into it. And uh, if we don't, our lives really, as much as we think we've got them under control, they're just gonna end in dust without hope. So part of what's happening here is we're admitting our need because we actually have fallen into sin. We've fallen away from God. Part of it is admitting that in fact we're mortal and we come to a complete end, full stop, and we just go to the dust unless we are in him. If we are in him and renewed in him, um, then, well, as it says in Revelation, from now on, blessed are those who die in Christ because by his cross, his death and his resurrection, uh, we can have life, and that life is being renewed in relationship with him. I want to um, encourage a couple things in your Lenten season that we've kind of summarized on a little card, and uh, some of these suggestions are particularly for folks who are part of our congregation here at Light of Christ. Um, some of the things that we're suggesting in terms of how to enter into the discipline Maybe you saw this little card on the table as you came in, and you can sort of follow along a little bit with what I want to suggest. If you aren't part of our church, however, um, maybe I can encourage you to adopt those prayers that are for light of Christ to your own uh, place of worship and your own fellowship. The uh, prayer that we're really encouraging folks to do, when we talk about Lent, I think we typically think of fasting and it's really fasting and prayer, and the whole point of the fasting is so that we can more fully invest ourselves in this way of life that's completely connected to God, completely renewed in relationship to Him. And that especially is, is something that happens in prayer. A lot of what Jesus is describing in the, in the Gospel from Matthew that we just read tonight is teachings on prayer. In fact, the Lord's Prayer, the instructions on how to pray is right smack in the middle of the, um, the section that we, we read to tonight. But he's talking about how do we bring our lives back into a complete relationship with him and orientation with him and stop being confused about what we think life is really about. It's really about relating up to him. And um, so one of the things that we're suggesting in our call to prayer is to begin with gratitude. Now that's, if you've been attending here at church, you know that we're talking a lot about appreciation towards the Lord and, and remembrance of the things that have brought blessing into our lives and really entering into that in a very um, heartfelt, meaningful, even using all of our senses as we recall that blessing. And, and we, we, we just have been experiencing joy. It just is, and it's contagious. When we say this season is supposed to be about bright sadness, one of the ways in which we really come out of um, the sorrow that comes with sin is to remember the truth about what he has done in our lives, in very personal ways, too. And so we are encouraging all of us to give thanks to the Lord for something that we felt grateful, and that's how we're going to encourage you to pray and how to begin your pray prayers and to be very specific about those details. Things that make you smile. Things that would bring a smile to you as you really enter back into that. Um, this, by the way, is really the realization of what it means to not be fallen. 
not to be stuck in sin. It's to enter back into a relationship with God that's grateful and understands that this body that we have and the things of life that we enjoy are ultimately from him and resourced in him, especially the grace of his forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. And so we want to encourage you to give thanks. Um, One word that you might want to use here so that we don't think of it just as like a checklist of like, oh yeah, I'm thankful for this and thankful for that and thank, you just kind of go through the motions, right? But are you really feeling that experience of gratitude? Well, one word that I've, I've just thought, man, I, I want to use this word to help me orient a little bit. It's, it's the word cherish. Really cherish what it is that the Lord has brought to mind that you're grateful for. As you come, say, to the end of the day, as you come to your time of prayer, during the Lenten season to really begin with cherishing him and the gifts that he's given. I think one of the most beautiful things that reunites us with um, loved ones, for instance, is when we, we can express how much we love them and cherish them. You know, remember the, the wife of your youth and rejoice in her, the Proverbs say, cherish her. It has the same root, by the way, as grace and charis, and, and we, which is about, again, gratitude. But we're not just saying grace as in, you know, something we do by rote, right? That's what Jesus is saying. It's, it's not just vain repetition. It's entering into it. It's cherishing it. And he actually wants to encourage us to cherish it at the, you know, our Lord especially, to cherish him as the greatest good of all the goods that have sort of started to crowd out our awareness of him that we think life is about have, have made it difficult for us to really properly cherish him. And so we've lost our true state. We've lost our true joy. Um, remember what Paul says about Adam and Eve. They fell, he says this in Romans 1, I think it's 120, because they failed to give God praise and thanksgiving. And the, the Greek word there right at the heart of it is this word charis. It's eucharist. Same thing we use for our celebration here at the table. It's cherish. They failed to properly cherish the Lord. And so they lost their glory. They lost their experience of God. And it's the very thing that he longs to restore. He wants us to come back into relationship with him and enjoy together our life together with him, with no Interference with nothing hindering it, wide open. We're going to encourage you to make it interactive too by listening to the Lord. And we're encouraging you to pray for those things in your life that you're feeling very needy about. Um, You might be sick and very aware of your mortality. Or you might have a loved one who's in that state. And what are those needs? And bringing those needs wide open to him. We have needs in our church as well that we're asking all of us as a body together to um, bring to the Lord. Like our need for um, our, our finances to continue to grow, but especially that we grow in terms of our impact in the community. So pray about those people, for instance, that the Lord might put on your heart to bring into the light. So I wanna encourage you to take this up but I especially want to root this in a call to prayer for all of us 
to be renewed in and experiencing the blessing of the light of his presence. We go back to our passage in Matthew. The reason Jesus is talking about how we pray and how we do our fasting and that he really wants it to be before our Father in heaven. He keeps on saying, in your Father in heaven who sees you in secret. And the connotation there is that it's like he wants us to get to this place where everything in our life is so deeply rooted in God and related to him that it's like the high priest going into the Holy of Holies, into that secret place. It's a place that's totally and only God's. And he actually wants to invite us to make our heart, which is like our Holy of Holies in the temple of our body, completely his. So our desires, which sometimes get obsessed with things that are just of this world, like the, John describes the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, like covetousness, wanting more, or the pride of life, right? And the word that he uses there is like the pride of just this mortal life, biological life, the appetites, the passions. But he wants to call us out of that way of being and into a way of being where our hearts, our desires, the roots of what we long for and want are now turned back to the Lord, are now seen as being dependent totally on him because we really are needy. We really will go to dust and we really have fallen into sin. The expression he uses at the end is, is part of what I'm trying to get at is what, where, what are we looking to for blessing? Are we looking to others to see us and recognize us and name us and affirm us? Are we looking to our possessions, the things that build up our houses, for instance? Are we looking to his house and to enter into his house of prayer in this way of prayer that he's des- describing? to have all the treasury of heaven and our Father who owns everything that we would ever possibly need. That's what he's inviting us to come back to and look to. And he's saying that the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye's healthy, your whole body's gonna be full of light. It's almost like, it's like Israel and all of us have a seasonal affective disorder because there's, there's no light and it just brings us into a state of darkness. And the Lord is saying, I want you to come back out into the light and cast your gaze in the direction of the Father who's searching for the eyes of the hearts of those who will be completely his in order to meet his gaze and to be favored once again with his blessing and his life and the joy that comes with it. So the things that we're worried about, the things that we're afraid of, the things that we're angry about, the people maybe that we're really um, furious with, all of this begins to be transformed in this light that we're talking about. As it's the light of the Lord's grace for us. And as we receive it, we just start to reflect it as our sister Becca was reminded us, reminding us of, when we start to unveil our faces and bring our entire souls and hearts to the Lord, then we begin to reflect that 
same way of grace and forgiveness and joy, and it's contagious. So my prayer for us this Lent is that we learn this way of of really being grateful, really cherishing the Lord. When we do this, we're actually restored to our true state of being, and it's meant to be a glorious one. It's meant to be full of light and joy. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we come to receive the ashes, I pray that we would... um, we would be, as Paul describes it, so carrying your death in our bodies that we would manifest your resurrection light. Lord, he was one who, who knew himself to be a chief of sinners, but completely, Lord, turned his heart over to you. As he described in his letter to your church in Corinth, with every fiber of his being, with every thought and word and deed, he demonstrated that heart, the secret place of who we are, completely turned over to you. I thank you, Lord, that you saved him in blinding light, and I thank you, Lord, that you um, tonight wanna renew the brightness of our eyes with your light. Lord, I pray that as we receive these ashes and as we receive your forgiveness today, that we would walk forth from this place in increased light, not our own glory, but a reflection of yours. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.